0: Hey guys, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Song Podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that support for this episode is brought to you once again by Manscaped. Are you looking for the perfect gift for your partner this holiday season? Well, we have the perfect package for His Perfect Package, the Perfect Package 3.0 by Manscaped, is the number one recommended gift all year long. The Perfect Package 3.0 by Manscaped, I have it, and it is by far the best grooming set out there, bar none. First, it comes in a kick-ass toiletry bag called The Shed. Inside The Shed, you'll find the stunning new trimmer, the Lawn Mower 3.0, which is the best below-the-belt groomer trimmer out there, which can be used on any part of the body. Got a hairy chest? Got a hairy back? Got hair down there? Just use the trimmer. It takes care of all of it. I would not recommend using it on the face if you're using it down there. Just a point of order, just for, you know, cleanliness purposes. Also, guys, I know that I've been, uh, you know, Hawking this now for the last few episodes, and you know it, it is a a male trimmer. But ladies, all the ladies who listen to this show, or if you are a man who has a lady in your life, this trimmer is a perfect trimmer for your special lady as well. It is it'll get the job done, and it'll make uh, both of your lives. A lot, lot happier. What also comes in the uh, Perfect Package 3.0 is the uh, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, and the very, very stylish reduced chafing boxers from Manscaped. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty free, dye free, sulfate free, and paraben free, so you know your manhood is in good hands. Guys, I'm not a man who knows a lot of things about a lot of things. Uh, But Slesson soccer and uh, grooming are two of the things that I probably know best, and I want you guys to know it too. Uh, So go to Manscaped.com and type in the code Sleson. that's S-E-L-E-C-A-O, and save 20% off, and you get free shipping when you go to Manscaped.com and enter the code S-E-L-E-C-A-O, Slesson. Manscaped will ship throughout the United States, as well as Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. So save 20% plus free shipping with the code Slesson at manscaped.com. This holiday season, give your testies the besties with Manscaped.
1: What's going on, guys? I'm Christian Oliver from the Benfica Podcast, and you're listening to the SLESON Podcast. Simoish, bending one for Eusebio... Have you ever seen anything like that? A pass for Simão, a tentar of o the goal Figo. E a goal is a goal! The goal Figo! The goal of Figo! Goal! The goal of The The goal
0: From the Celeston Podcast Studios, we welcome you to episode number 38 of the Celeston Podcast, a proud partner of Portugal.net and presented by CelestonPod.com. My name is Danny Pinto, I am your host. Thank you all once again for tuning in to the latest podcast as we have reached the final two matches of the Nations League. Beginning Saturday on November the 14th in Lisboa, the Slesan will take on France in a possible winner-take-all match at the Stadio de Luz. And then three days later on Tuesday, November the 17th, uh, the Portuguese national team will play their final group match of Group 3 in League A of the Nations League. You guys still with me here? as uh, they will travel to play in Croatia. We will preview those matches, plus take a look back at the 7-0 victory in the friendly against uh, Andorra earlier this week, and analyze Nunsun's final call-up of 2020, and we'll do all of that with our guest for episode number 38 of the Slesson podcast, Cristiano Oliveira from the Benfica podcast. But before we do all that, As always, another friendly reminder of all the ways you can support and stay connected to the Slesson Podcast. First and foremost, our website, SlessonPod.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SlessonPod. Like and share our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash SlessonPod. And as always, you can email the show, SlessonPod at gmail.com. Please download, listen, subscribe, rate, and review our show via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or any other podcasting platform you are using. And as we are entering the holiday season, if you're in that giving mood, please drop a nice review and a rating of Sing Stirlish on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the more positive feedback we get there, the more visible it makes the show on podcasting charts, which in turn makes it easier for more people to do what you lovely people already do, which is listen and support this fine podcast. So, uh, we thank you guys for tuning in again. Before we get to our interview with Cristiano Oliveira, let's uh, take a quick look at the roster called up by Fernand Sanchez as well as the easy work put in by the Slesson. They're 7-0 friendly against Andorra uh, earlier this week at the Estadio de Luz. Uh, first off, the roster is as follows. We have Rui Patricio, Anthony Lopsch, and Rui Silva as your goalkeepers. Nelson Smith, Joan Concelo, Ruben Diaz, Jose Font. Ruben Smith, Domingos Duarte, Rafael Guerreiro, and Mario Rui are your defenders. In the midfield, William Carvalho, Danilo Pereira, Ruben Neves, João Moutinho, Renato Santos, uh, Sergio Oliveira, and Bruno Fernandes. And uh, your forwards and wingers are Bernard Silva, Pedro Neto, Trincão, Diogo Jota, João Félix, Paulinho, and captain Cristiano Ronaldo. So uh, in terms of this 25-man roster... Uh obviously a couple of changes here. Uh Pep he's injured. He uh, is not able to make the call this uh this go around. So in terms of center backs, you have uh font, uh Ruben Diaz, dmings Duarte and uh Ruben Smith. Uh, dmings Duarte was the call up for uh for Josef font last go around when Jeffont uh was out due to COVID. Uh Jeffont back in the sled fold, but now uh, Pep out uh, out uh, this go round with injury. So Dominguez Duarte is in for him as well. You can tell right now there's about a f- there's about five center backs in this rotation of uh, uh, of defenders for uh, for uh, Fernando Um It looks like Dominguez Duarte may be number five as he always comes in for someone who is injured or unavailable, but still always a, a good option to have. Uh, it Looks like there's a lot of depth there. Um, currently we'll see how it uh, looks down the road but um, so not a lot of changes on, on the defensive side there uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the midfield pretty uh, uh, pretty stacked there and, and similar to what it was before as well as goalkeeper the obviously the, the glaring uh, the glaring updates here and in a positive way are are uh, up front so no daniel pudens no hafa silva no andre silva no Gonçalves. you bring in pedro for his first call up you bring in paulinho for his first call up and then obviously the returning cristiano ronaldo after he missed the last game against sweden uh due to uh, testing positive for uh, COVID 19. uh up front dude it is stacked as stacked gets um these seven players uh are all explosive they all bring a certain um, offensive quality to this uh, Portuguese attack, an attack that, uh, with the the solid play in the midfield from uh, from players like Bruno Fernandes and William Carvalho uh, and uh, and João Moutinho, and uh, and we'll touch on Renat Sanch uh, a little bit. Um, again, all levels of this of this squad are solid. It is it's this is a world class national team. And and we'll talk a little bit about it uh, with with Cristiano uh, uh, Oliveira in the interview, but you know it's for me it's time for for us to not be always not and not that I'm surprised by anything, but it's like we need to believe that we're as good as we are. And obviously, there's a huge match that's that's coming up on Saturday against France. We lose that, we're out of the Nations League, and then obviously the focus goes to the Euros next summer, but. The, for, uh, there there should not be any surprises as to A, how good in terms of quality, in terms of depth that this lesson uh, has and B, there shouldn't be any surprises if we win this group because I believe this team can go toe to toe with any team in the world at any given time at any location I think our best against anybody else's best is comparable and I think that this team, as loaded as it is up front, is a nightmare for other nations around the world, specifically for France. France has a wonderful defense. We talked with Jeremy Smith about it uh, uh, last month. There's an abundance of, uh, of talent up and down France's lineup, and, and I, don't, I, I don't even want to suggest that what I think is going to happen on Saturday is going to be some sort of cakewalk because you know France is not Andorra. And we'll talk about the match, uh, the friendly, in a little bit here. But this team, as as currently constructed, you know, it, let's bring Pep back into the fold here for for a second. I don't think that there's anyone who can make a case that wasn't called up uh, to say there's no way that so and so should be called up uh, or shouldn't be called up because you know Andres Silva should be up. Or uh, you know, Gonzalvez should be up. Or uh, Andre uh, Andre Gomes should be up. Or anybody, you know. Uh, This team is in its in its uh, current construction. This may be the best talent that this that this national team has ever seen. Now, what it does with that talent remains to be seen, because you know some of these guys. I mean, these kids are twenty. 21, 22, 23—about a handful of, of these guys. And again, in in each phase of the uh, of the field, with the exception of goalkeeper, you know, you have Hubin Diaz, who's 23. Xhnot Sanch is 23. You have a trio of 20 of uh, 20 year olds. Well, now uh, Joan Felix just turned 21, but Joan Felix 21, uh, trincao and uh, and uh, uh, Pedronet, who are 20. Um, you know, Diogo Jota just turned 23. There is this young crop that have not seen any kind of big time senior level football with this national team yet. There's an abundance of confidence that I I see on social media, and I see with this team in this type of togetherness, and and that's something that I kind of uh, talk about at the end with with Cristiano Oliveira too is. This team is just so together, so close, and the combination of that, plus the talent, plus the manner in which this team takes uh, takes each match, is such a spe- it's just such a special time. And and listen, I know that, uh, and I mentioned, it, all it takes is one loss to 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 France in uh, uh, on Saturday, and we'll we'll be calling for Nunez Sanchez's job you know that's just the the ebb and flow of uh, uh of soccer and, and of football and and I get that but it's this is a special time guys right now that we're, that we're living in um and um yeah just enjoy it for as long as long as long as we possibly can so um as we as we go to uh to the lineup for the uh, the friendly here with uh against Andorra that happened uh, this past uh, Wednesday November the 11th um the lineup looked like this it was uh, it was Anthony Lopes in goal. Uh, Domingos Duarte getting his first uh, his first cap uh, with the Slesson. He started in the middle uh, with Hubin Smith, Huyu on the left, uh, Nelson Smith on the right. Uh, João Moutinho would captain the team in the first half. Uh, he alongside of uh, Sergio Oliveira and Renat Sanch in the midfield, and then you had Paulinho also making his first cap or getting his first cap, and also getting his first cap was Pedro Nett. Uh, they were joined by Francisco Trincao up top. Uh, in terms of the lineup, I love the lineup, simply because this is what a friendly, which are now few and far between, um, this is what a friendly is supposed to look like when you have, um, you know, official matches coming up uh, in, you know, three days' time, and then another three days after that. Uh, I loved seeing uh, Domingos Duarte getting his first cap. I loved seeing Paulinho and Pedro getting uh, Net getting their first caps. Um, and I just liked seeing guys like Sergio Oliveira um, getting some uh, meaningful, not meaningful, but just getting some uh, getting some burn with the Slesson. Uh, Same thing with Mario Rui. Um, these are guys that have been in the fold now for a few years. Uh, Sergio Oliveira, you know, applying his trade at Porto. Um, doesn't get a lot of time with uh, with the national team in terms of uh in terms of uh you know he never starts and he, he very rarely comes in uh, unless it's in, in mop up duty but uh, i just like the fact that Nonsense gave these guys an opportunity to play because one you just don't know what kind of spark you can get from these guys um in an op- in in the in the opportunity that they get so uh, for me, it was just it was just good to see and, and good for uh, for everyone involved uh, in with this lineup to to get them some burn uh, before the uh, the two matches against uh, France and Croatia. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, the scoring, they put up seven goals to the uh In the eighth minute, uh, Pedro Net would get his uh, his first goal uh, in his first match as a a senior member of the Sleson. Uh, that, put, uh, up the, uh, that put the up the that put the up by uh, one goal to nil in the 8th minute that goal was assisted by Sergio Oliveira we move to the uh, 29th minute and it would be another debut goal for the debutante, who was uh, Paulinho uh, he would get an assist from uh, Nelson Smith on a uh, a wonderful cross and a nice little uh, cheeky touch right in front of the goal by Paulinho to get his first goal and put up this and put the Slesson up two to nothing at the half uh, a few changes for the lesson uh, you saw bernard silva come in for sergio Oliveira, uh and uh, christian ronaldo replacing uh, pedro net um the lesson would get scoring uh, early and get scoring often in the uh, in the second half here in the 56th minute it would be uh, not scoring for the first time uh, since euro 2016. Uh, he was assisted by uh, christian ronaldo uh, a nice little slotted uh, goal to the left side uh, of the goal uh, to put Portugal up three to nothing uh, five minutes later it would be 4 nothing as uh, Paulinho would get his second goal my, to, in my opinion the the prettiest goal of the seven uh, scored by the Slesson uh, as it would be a beautiful cross uh, by Mario Hui that found Paulinho right on the corner of the uh, of the six yard box and he uh, smashed it in to give the lesson a four to nothing lead. The fifth goal would be an own goal, uh, a ball that was uh, put into the box uh, by uh, Bernard Silva, uh, a a goal a, a ball I should say that was uh, looking uh, towards uh, towards getting to uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, but that ball was uh, was deflected uh, by a defender uh, from Andorra, I believe it was uh, Emili Garcia, that made it five uh, nil uh, at the se- in the seventy sixth and then uh, it was uh, two late goals uh, the bigger one obviously by uh, cristiano ronaldo he moves up to now 102 goals in uh, his illustrious uh, national team career that put up the uh, that put up this lesson up 6-0 against andorra in the 85th and then uh, juan felix who came in uh, for uh, paulinho uh, he got a goal to make it uh, 7-0 uh, to uh, to the good guys against andorra and uh, that was assisted by uh, william Carvalho. Um, and Mario Hui, I didn't, I failed to mention got his second assist on uh, Ronaldo's uh, 102nd career national team goal. So as you know, as I mentioned in, in the, uh, the episode where we, where we kind of slightly talked about the, the Spain friendly, um, the number one thing you want out of these friendlies is no injuries. And from all reports, it does look like the, the team will, it will be at full strength. Um, when they take on France, uh, this Saturday, uh, November the 14th. Um, I believe Rafael Gahito was not with the team. He was reporting late. Um, not sure the reason for that. I didn't, uh, I didn't catch it if I'm, I'm sure it's out there, but I, I just, I don't have it in front of me at, at this time. Uh, also, um, you know, it's another shutout and Andorra didn't have anything going on at all offensively. And, 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 you know, shutting out Andorra is not, uh, should not be a surprise and and uh isn't breaking news but it's the fifth consecutive shutout by this national team uh, dating back to um you know the very end of the first t- or first match uh, in Nations League group play against Croatia the the Sleson beat Croatia 4-1 they were on their way to a 3-0 victory uh, when Croatia scored uh in the 90th minute or past the 90th minute uh, Bruno Pet- uh, Petkovic uh, scored to spoil what could have been six straight shutouts. The beginning of uh, six straight shutouts, anyway. But um, yeah, that's five straight shutouts, uh, two in friendlies, three in Nations League, um, and yeah, it, they weren't tested at all. But for all the for all the the run that uh, these kids and uh, and this uh, and, you know all these up and coming kids playing up front, and obviously Ronaldo with all his uh, all his 102 goals the 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 blueprint for success for a nunsunch team is defensively and playing well defensively and if you're not if uh, sunch a will find some players who will get the job done but uh you know uh, can this team probably uh, compete in a you know a, four th- a three two or a four three match? Yeah, of course they have the firepower to do that but is this how, they are built. Is this the mind, the mindset that Don Sanchez built into this team in his uh, now over six years at the helm? No. The bread and butter of this team is defensive football, and when you have that type of mentality added on to the offensive explosion uh, that has uh, that has uh, happened in this uh, in this Nations League uh, run and in these friendlies, uh, it's a great combination and a very very tough uh, opponent to be. Uh, If uh, you see Portugal on your, uh, on your schedule. So uh, France, yeah, they're the defending world champs, but uh, this is not the same Portugal team that beat France uh, in 2016. Uh, This is a much, much better team uh, coming into this, uh, coming into this uh, matchup uh, on Saturday, the 14th. And I, again, I, my expectation is for Portugal to, to beat France. I don't want them to draw France and leave it all up to uh, the, the game against Croatia. I think for such, uh, has this team believing and wanting to take care of this group at home and make that Croatia match meaningless. And, and again, I, I repeat that, you know, going into the final two matches, Portugal and France are tied at point or well, tied at top uh, of group three uh, with 10 points apiece. Portugal currently has a uh, four goal uh, advantage in terms of goal difference over France. They, uh, t- it's plus eight to plus four. Uh, but this first matchup uh, in France ended in a draw. Right now, Croatia and Sweden have no other they have no recourse to win this uh, to win this group. It is, it is down to Portugal and France. And if Portugal were to win against France, that would put them up three points with one match to play. And they would have a record against France of one win and one draw. That's your tiebreaker. That is your first tiebreaker if, for whatever reason, Portugal lost against Croatia and then France beat Sweden in the last match uh, on the 17th. A win here for either, for either team, whether it's Portugal or France, gives that nation the, the, uh, the win uh, in the group. And it is so important, in my opinion, that Portugal not leave it to Croatia. Again, they can, and they're very capable of leaving it to Croatia. But, you know, stranger things have happened. What if France all of a sudden puts up, like, nine goals against Sweden? Sweden has not played well. They've lost all four of their Nations League uh, matches, and they haven't really been competitive. Um, so why not, if you're Portugal, take care of business against the world champs uh, and, and and prove that you belong uh, in the, uh, in the uh, in a conversation as uh, one of the best teams uh, in the world uh, right now. So uh, that's a look at the, uh, the roster and the, uh, and the friendly. We now shift things over to our interview uh, with Cristiano Oliveira of the Benfica podcast as uh, we discuss the roster, the friendly, and these two big-time matchups coming up in the Nations League right here on episode number 38 of the Slesson Podcast. All right, guys. So we have—you've uh, heard my thoughts on uh, the roster, this final roster of 2020 for the uh, upcoming matches against France and Croatia, the all-important uh, winner-take-all uh, match uh, against France this coming Saturday, November the 14th. And uh, you know we've talked a little bit about uh, give you a little bit of my thoughts on the uh, on the 7 0 friendly, but to give us some more thoughts, some more in-depth thoughts, is our good friend uh, Cristiano Oliveira from the Benfica podcast. You can follow. Christian on Twitter at 10CO10. That's the number 10 CO and the number 10. He is uh, nice enough to join us here on uh, episode number 38 of this list on podcast. Chris, nice to have you back on, man. How are you?
1: Appreciate it, man. It's it's always nice to come on here and talk about our beloved Portuguese national team, and especially when things are going well. So thank you for having me back.
0: Yeah, man, not a problem. I, I don't I don't remember a time when uh, things were going better, uh, other than when uh, other than when the the teams won the uh, the Euros and the uh, and the inaugural Nations League. But it's it's not a bad time right now to uh, to wear the red and the green.
1: You mean you weren't doing a podcast back in the sixties, nineteen sixty six, when we made that triumphant run? And no, no. Uh, you know i, I almost time, almost you, i just didn't no? have enough <laughs>
0: bandwidth and also i was swimming if you get what i'm saying so <laughs> but uh but it's good to uh, it's good to have you on man yeah it's 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 definitely good times uh obviously for uh for for fans like uh like us of uh, of our beloved Sles song and um yeah it's uh it, two big matches uh a chance an opportunity to uh, to defend the uh, the Nations League title with this uh, winner take all match against France, and uh, if need be, the decisive match against Croatia. Let's uh, let me first get your thoughts on the the call ups uh, for these uh, for these final matches of 2020. These last two group matches against uh, Croatia and France. What did you think of uh, France's uh, selection uh, for these matches?
1: Uh, man, I got to be brutally honest. I like it, and, and, and for those of you that that've listened to me another podcast, you you know that I always find something to to bitch about. Um, and in this instance, I, I really didn't have much to to, to, to you know to pick on Fernando Santos about. I like the lineup. I like the youth. Um, some of the veterans that are there is exactly who we expected to be called up at this time. Uh, unfortunately, Pep and a couple of the guys are Pep didn't get called up, right? I'm not making a mistake, no, right?
0: No, no, no. he's 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 still recovering from from his injury.
1: Unfortunately, as a 37-year-old, you know, he's still a guy we count on. But, you know, unfortunately, he couldn't be there for us. But the rest of the lineup, I I, I like the fact you have the young kids, um, you know, Neto making his debut, Paulinho. Uh, the the kid from Granada, the the what's his name, Domingos Duarte. So I, I think he's doing a good job of injecting some youth uh, along with the veterans, and it, you know it's it's a beautiful time right now. I don't recall a better time for for Portugal in, in, in recent memory where we just had so many players to pick from. So I'm glad to see this um, with all the players throughout Europe and just you know throughout world football. I'm pretty sure you 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 miss one or two here, and somebody's gonna uh, nitpick at things. But right now, I think Fernando Santos um, with this. Squad with this, with these, uh, with this roster of players. I think he's spot on, and uh, I'm very interested to see what happens here in these next two games.
0: You know, uh, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the uh, the friendly, and then and then the the two uh, Nations League matches here. But but you mentioned like how you know how well the players are doing in Europe and and, and around the world. Um, the roster itself, especially as as we've gotten back to um, you know national team uh, soccer for the last part of 2020 after the pandemic. Uh, the rosters themselves have not included a lot of Portuguese Portuguese league players and obviously you you host uh, you know Benfica the Benfica podcast with Alfred Fumasas and, and Dave de Oliveira and you guys obviously talk Benfica, breathe Benfica but you guys are obviously seeing you know the uh, the other clubs in Portugal, Porto and uh, and sporting and, and Braga uh, less and less including Benfica represented if you look at the the call-ups, uh, for just these, or the the most recent call up, you have Sergio Oliveira from uh, from Porto, and you have uh, Paulinho from Braga. In uh, in October, you had Rafa Silva of Benfica, and then you had uh, Daniel Preda in September when he was still with Port. Those four players have been the only four players that have been called up from uh, the Portuguese league in these call ups. Is this an indictment you think of the league, or is this just you know the reality of doing business between the Portuguese league and the bigger top uh, top leagues in Europe.
1: I, I think it's more with your second point there. Look, man, it's bittersweet, right? Um, these guys, uh, obviously, they're developing to being you know, fantastic players, some of them even world class players. And you know that any player, not just in Portugal, but, you know, majority of of, of the world, with the exception of maybe two, three leagues, right? And even those, those leagues, depending on the teams that they're in, anybody that shows any type of promise, the big sharks, they come in and, they, you know, they gobble them up. And that's exactly what's happening here for Portugal. It's a good sign for Portuguese teams because they're able to bank on these guys and they're able to stay afloat. Uh but it's for you know now if you're asking me as a Portuguese soccer fan, as a uh Liga Norte soccer fan, obviously, you know, it's 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 not good. Uh you've seen a lot of these these young pros leave leave uh, the league and you're not going to enjoy the, these guys uh week in week out. But like you said, man, times. it is what it is. Teams are going to come and gobble them up, and you know, be thankful that we're able to watch these guys at, at, at the grand stage. And then when they come back to the Portuguese national team, you know, they got that experience of playing with the bright lights. And you see it now, right, with these performances. With these performances that we've seen, uh, you know, you could tell, you could definitely see that it's paying off. Um, you know, the experiences that these guys are having at these uh, bigger leagues and bigger clubs throughout European football. So. Uh, look, man, it's just you have to, to take the good with the bad, and, and right now this is a sign of times.
0: We're talking here with uh, Cristiano Oliveira of the Benfica podcast here on episode number thirty-eight of the Slis on podcast. I am your host, Danny Pinto. Uh, Chris, let's let's take a look now. Shift our focus to the actual friendly uh, that happened this past Tuesday on the, on the eleventh, uh, where Portugal rather easily dispatched of Andorra. No surprise there, seven nil. Um what were your thoughts of the starting lineup being that it was made of players primarily uh you know either on the Slesson bench their fringe players their young players who were who getting called up or got their first caps um this uh this past friendly uh what did you uh, what did you think of the of the of the match in general and of those players who were not normally involved in as a starter or you know, maybe not, we're not normally uh, waiting for them to contribute right away. Who, who did themselves uh, a, a positive um, in, in their, in their performance, whether it be in their first start or just uh, kind of getting back in the flow of us less on football.
1: I enjoyed this, man. I thought it was a brush of fresh, a breath of fresh air, a brush, a breath of fresh air uh, to see Fernando Santos, who is a guy that doesn't take many risks going in here and basically changing out uh, the full 11. And so, a lot of these guys, as you mentioned before, Paulinho, Pedro Neto, making, his, uh, making their debuts is, uh, you, know, you know, it was excellent to see these youngsters. Not Well, Paulinho's not a youngster anymore, but you know what I'm saying. Neto's yeah, still absolutely. young. He's the first, player, first player born in the 2000s to feature and, and, and score a goal for this last song. So, I was glad to see that. Uh, Portugal has so much talent. We just talked about a few minutes ago Um, and you know these kids deserve an opportunity and even the young the older guys like a Paulinho guy that's been putting in the hard work uh, in the Portuguese league and now he's finally getting rewarded for, for his good performances he scores two goals so, to answer your question as far as someone who did themselves a good service, I think, I think you know, obviously, anytime you come in and you score goals as a striker, it's, you're having a good day. So, um, I think you'll be happy with that. I was glad to see Renato Sanchez uh, get back on the score sheet. Um, you know, the guy hasn't scored a goal for the Portuguese national team since the Euros 2016 against Poland. And obviously, you know, my Benfica bias, I'm, ec- I'm ecstatic. Wait, that, that. what? It's a secret, <laughs> don't tell no one. Um, you should, you should, that, do,
0: you should uh, do a podcast,
1: yeah. I think about that. I'll, I'll take you up, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have you on one day. How about that? You know, let's um, do it. But I was happy to see him as far as the guys in the back line. I mean, they really didn't get much much work, so uh, I'm gonna shout out my boy Nelson Smith just because you know, Nelson Smith, the former figure guy, so fantastic job. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, look, I'm glad that Fernando Sanchez did this. This is kind of what the Benfiquistas have been screaming about over the last couple of years when we play the minnows, when we, say Benfica, plays the minnows or scrimmages, why doesn't whoever the coach is at the time throw in all the youngsters? And this is what Fernando Santos did. So I was surprised by it, but again, I, I was happy to see it. Um, and, and, and you know, I expect and I hope that, it, that he... In the future, he does a little bit more of this because these these kids need the experience at this level. It's not easy to come in and represent the Portuguese national team with all the attention on it. And then obviously having a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo, who is such a huge presence. I know some of these guys have played with him in the past, and but it, it's always good to gain that confianza and being around these guys, um, you know, day in, day out. And so again, I, I was ecstatic to see these guys get the, get their opportunities.
0: You know, it's it's funny, Chris, when when we're when I was watching the uh the broadcast and listening to the broadcast, you know, a, a guy like, uh, Francis Francisco, uh, who is what, 20 years old. And you, you hear now that he's playing with his idol, Christian Ronaldo, dude, it seems like Christian Ronaldo started playing, uh, and putting on the colors just like yesterday. And now he's, he's being talked about as the elder statesman of the, uh, of the, of the team. And not only that, he's, he's playing with kids that have idolized him for the last 10, 15 years. You know, normally you have you have someone who's in in the transition of their career at, at 35, 36 years old, uh, but not Ronaldo. He he scores his one hundred and second goal. Um, he's he's back with a vengeance ever since coming back from uh, from uh, from being out on on quarantine uh, with, with the COVID diagnosis. He's scored every every match uh, that he's played for Juventus this season, and he continues to go up the international scoring list. That on top of these young kids who are not only idolizing him, but are bringing that talent, uh, especially up front, uh, João Felix, uh, Trincão, uh, the the collapse of, uh, of of Pedro Neto and the emergence of uh, Diogo Jota. Man, it's it is it is a good thing and a nice thing to see to have this group of young players not only you know be able to play with a, with a guy like Ronaldo that they've idolized, but be able to hang with him for, you know, so to speak, and be able to contribute with him on the field.
1: Man, what can I tell you about Cristiano Ronaldo that hasn't already been said or that you don't already know, right? Uh, Ronaldo is Ronaldo, a guy like you said. He's been around. There's a couple other guys on this team that seem like they've been around since I was a little kid, and that's Pepe, another 37-year-old. Jose font has been around for a minute. Rui Patricio, he started at such a young age with Sporting, and we still think, you know, uh, the guy started yesterday, but he, he's been around for quite a while, and then you have João Moutinho. So those five guys, they, they, they've been around since, what, 2000. It's been, it's been a minute since these guys have been around in this club. Sure. Well, national team, I should say. But Cristiano, look, the guy is just just a goal-scoring machine. He's the ultimate professional. I've had the privilege of speaking to, to 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 many players who have played with him, both in England and Spain, and obviously with the Portuguese national team. And I'm yet to meet one that has a, a negative thing to say about him. And the one thing that's key here is Ronaldo's professional attitude is 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 you know, never say die attitude and and the fact that he treats all his teammates. With 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 respect, no matter how big or small, no matter how much they've done in their career, in their careers, and, and it's it's key here. When you got a guy like Count coming in and saying, "Look, I'm playing with my idol," right? When you're playing with a guy that's, for lack of a better word, an a hole, right? It, it's it's kind of it, it's difficult for you to to get into the rhythm of things and for you to feel comfortable and, and you know really be at your best. But when you have a superstar. Right, and this is exactly what Cristiano Ronaldo is. He is a a, a superstar. Not many in the history of the game that have been bigger than him, as far as that attention of the game. Right, and when he makes things easy for you, come in and you get to adapt. You just get to play at your best. You get to perform at your best and show what you really have. And this is what the national team is doing. they' all these kids are coming in. From their respective clubs, right? Where they're playing key parts. And now they're coming into the national team, and And the big boy on the block is letting them be themselves rather than trying to, um, you know, put a muzzle on these guys and tame them. No, he's, 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 it's from what we hear, right? He's letting these kids be themselves. He's letting them shy on their, uh, shine on their own. But make no mistake about it, buddy. Ronaldo, at the end of the day, he still wants that rock and he wants to put it in the bag of the net. We saw it in a game against Andorra, a meaningless game, a game that was already, I mean, before they even stepped into the pitch that started to lose, we knew who already the victor was going to be. And he comes into a game that was already, and he's fiending for that goal. And you know, you know it's not about Andorra. It's not about that one goal. It's about that 109 number that you mentioned before. Absolutely. That's what it's about. He's ultra, ultra competitive. And we know he's thinking ahead and even a meaningless game like this is going to contribute to where he, where he eventually wants to end up. And so, fantastic job by him fantastic job by Fernand Sons fantastic by everybody I mean right now all these guys are playing such huge roles throughout European football and when they come in here man they just it's you know it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch rather than that boring stuff that we've been accustomed to uh, you know for, for, for a long part of my life you know I'm a little bit older than you are and there was times that, that you know you'd rather be uh, doing something else uh, you know than, than watching the game but it, it's just it's wonderful to watch man
0: absolutely we're talking with uh, christian oliveda of uh, the Benfica podcast here on episode number 38 of the slash podcast uh, christian let's now focus on uh the matches that matter here the uh the two final uh, nations league matches uh with uh between uh, the slash and france on uh, on saturday uh on november the uh the 14th and uh the final match on tuesday november the 17th we'll focus on france here just because uh, a result, a a win here, I should say, by either of these teams will give them the uh, the they will it will clinch the the group and a spot in the semifinals. As the head to head would uh, be the first tiebreaker if uh, they happen to uh, end in points, uh, the same points, I should say. Um, for me, I feel that the the match is probably a bigger deal for Portugal than it, than it is for France. France have have won. Uh, multiple world uh, World Cups, they've won multiple Euros. Um, with that said, I think that this is just another opportunity for Portugal to prove that they are among the the best in the, in the world in terms of national teams. They're currently ranked fifth in the world, fourth in Europe. The defending European champions that did not get a lot of respect based on you know, not being able to close out games in uh, in 90 minutes for the majority of the knockout stages, uh, you know, tying all three group matches in 2016, yet they are the ones that have the trophy, winning the inaugural Nations League, which make, make of it whatever it is. Uh, someone had to win the first. I'm glad it's Portugal. I'm sure you're glad it's Portugal too, but uh, what would a victory, and let's hope that's what we get, but what would a victory do, you think, for those who still aren't sure about, uh, where Portugal stands in the, uh, in the world game. And what kind of pressure do you think the team may be under, uh, just a guess here, on getting that result at home against France uh, to also prove to themselves that they're among the world's best?
1: Look, as far as pressure goes, I I don't have an exact answer for that, right? I know some some would think there's huge amounts of pressure on Portugal. I I tend to think that there's pressure on both clubs because obviously you have the defending World Cup champion playing against the defending European Cup champion. There's going to be pressure on either side. Uh, Spain, I mean Spain. Woof. Uh, France just came off a game where they didn't look too good. They lost, and 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 you know they're going to want to turn things around. And Portugal is going to want to show them that they can play at that level, right? As you mentioned before, we're European champs, but it wasn't exactly in the most thrilling way that we won that 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 title. Right? Final game, that shot from from the middle of the, uh, the street from Ederia, that was exciting. But the rest of the tournament, it was, you know, it had its ups and downs. So uh, at the end of the day, it's about performing and beating a team that's been really... I mean, you talk about Portugal's arch nemesis. In my honest opinion, it's been it's been France all along. I mean, you go back to the eighty four euro, two thousand euro. I mean, every time Portugal is on their way to somewhere, we seem to, to to confront the French, and we seem to stumble and get knocked and get knocked out. I mean, yeah, they the play, two,
0: the two thousand six World Cup as well. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, they played 26, 26 games. Um, France has won eighteen drew two and and lost six. I mean, those are dominating numbers in favor of France. And we know Portugal is going to want to try to represent themselves well because they're going to want that respect. And at the same time, I think this will be a huge game for confidence-wise for Portugal. If they come out there, they played the first game where they drew 0-0. I thought Portugal had the better of play, which was surprising to me. I hadn't seen Portugal play that well against France in a long, long time. And I think they're going to want to build on that. And now being at home, I think the Portuguese are going to feel that they need to win this game not just for confidence not just for respect man but I think it, they want to show the French that we're not going to be you know you're, you're stepping mad anymore we're going to sit here and we're going to demand respect we're going to play you eye to eye we have the players now that can match you guys you know 1 through 23 and you're coming into our home you're not going to step all over us we're going to try to you know play our best football because again going forward as you mentioned the winner of this game tomorrow solidify themselves a, a spot in the semifinals of the, the the nation's league cup or whatever it's called but you know i, I think portugal has the players to do so and, and being at home I, I think they'll be slightly favorites uh but you know against the frenchman they this a team full full of, of, of superstars as well very good players and it's going to be a fun one um to watch
0: you know um a game of this magnitude obviously is is huge no matter no matter where and when. But given the given the current climate uh, that we're that you know these matches are being played in, how how big of a factor, uh, or not even a factor, but well, it's a it's just a shame that Ishtar de Luge is not going to be full of of fans for this huge huge match, a match that in recent history in terms of the song outside of you know uh, you know outside out, outside of competitions but to have a you know a a winner go home type scenario uh, against the the quality of uh, of opponent that is france having having the fans that would, would would be so huge um in lisbon and, and that's that's probably the number one thing that is missing uh, from from this match other than the two great uh, the two great teams on the field
1: you gotta feel for the fans, man. You gotta feel for the Portuguese fans because this is a time that Portugal is playing well. This is a time that realistically Portugal has a realistic shot at beating the French at home. as I mentioned, a team that slapped us around for so many years. And now you can't you can't attend the game. You have to be at home. So I mean, you know, it, it, it sucks, but look, man, it, it's 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 the pandemic, right? That's what's controlling the world right now. It's not the Portuguese, unfortunately. Uh and we you know everybody has to go through this um but it's sad I'm saddened for 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 you know our our Portuguese mates and um you know for them not to be there but at the end of the day it's about let's let's put our best foot forward let's 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 show the French man that you can't come into Portugal and uh toy with us like you were accustomed to doing in the past and uh I think the Portuguese fans will be ecstatic sitting at home um if, if if Portugal is able to pull off a victory here
0: yeah, this, these are not uh, these are not your evol's, uh you know, old Portuguese uh, players against uh, against France. That's well, that's for well,
1: sure. My, my evols Portugal's teams; they were nasty. So,
0: <laughs> well, maybe you know, maybe you know, maybe Am that's I, one. That's I'm older one.
1: Than you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm older than you. So those teams in the sixties, man, with Ozeebu and, and half, not half, but eighty percent of the Benfica team, uh the roster I should say, on the on those Portuguese national teams, those my those teams were pretty nice, man. They were nice. Those be, be, the Benfica teams were definitely nice at the
0: time. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh so with the big match against France, um, if if you were Fernand Sanch, how would you uh how would you feel the team? Who would be your starting eleven?
1: Rui Patricio, bet you were shocked
0: with that one, huh? See, I thought uh, you were going to go with Vlacodimus, and I was like, well, that's interesting, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try with somebody on the on the national team, but that's just me.
1: I, I Look, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a joke I can inject here regarding Vlacodimus, but I'm going to leave my man alone. He had a very, <laughs> tough, had a very tough weekend, so I'm going to give him a breather. Mm-hmm. I'll leave him alone. I'm pretty sure I come up with something uh, clever to say about him on the next Benfica podcast. Uh <laughs> Rui Patricio, I play Nelson Smith on the right, Josef Font, Ruben Diaz, Juan Cancelo on the left. Uh, my midfield because you know he's going to play a 4 3 3. My midfield trio will be Bruno, obviously Fernandes, William Carvalho, Danilo. I don't like it, but I understand it. Um, I, 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 I me being crazy, I, I'll again, just because I'm crazy, I would like to. Uh, probably would have given Renato Sanchez a look, but you can't really go against William Carvalho and, and and Danilo in such a big game. So I understand it. And then my, the question that, the million dollar question that everybody's been talking about ever since uh, ever since Portugal beat a, uh, demolished Andorra at home, which is, you know, there's only four of the three are going to play up top. In reality, it's two of the three because you know Ronaldo's going to play. So it's just, you know, which two Jota Bernardo, Joan Felix, which two of those three are going to play. And, 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 you know, some might be surprised, but for me, it's right now, based on current form, it's, it's not even a question for me. It's Cristiano, it's Joan Felix, and it's Jota. Bernardo, love him, but based on form, those other guys are on fire. And that's what I'm going with because, um, they've shown that, you know, in their own respective teams, that they're scoring, uh, they're making things look easy. And Bernardo, eh, we we haven't seen the, the usual Bernardo of late for for Manchester City, so it's very simple. It's just based on form and, and and they, you know, the starting lineup screams out on their own who should be starting here.
0: You know, and and, and I don't, I almost don't look at it as even um, Bernard Silva or making it, making it a tough decision to keep him out. It's just one of those things where it's like now the the competition and the talent level. On top of the form is so is is so much a a, a huge uh, a, a, a huge part of Fernand Sunch's decision because you know if let's say, let's say if this is four years ago and and Bernard Silva is coming off of the you know the the two years prior that he had where he was the MVP of uh, of the Nations League tournament last year and, uh, and you know and, and so many other accolades I think his his uh, his starting his starting spot would still be pretty much guaranteed but with this just with this influx of young talent this influx uh, influx of of talent that is performing at a high level in the highest of leagues in Europe it's almost like it's 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 not even Bernard Silva's fault at this point he's it's just one of those things where it's like the emergence of these young players are finally coming to fruition and it's just a numbers game at this point
1: yeah but look you asked me who I would start right absolutely I'm going to tell you who I think Fernando Santos is going to start. I think he is going to start, Bernardo. I think Joan Felix is going to be on the bench. Just my opinion. Joan Felix, as much as we love him, well, we speak for myself because some people listening to podcasts might might like the green teams and the blue teams. They, they might not be huge, such huge fans as I am. But, you know, realistically and honestly, he, he hasn't really been himself on the Portuguese national team when you've seen him play. And even though he scored uh, against Andorra playing alongside Cristiano Ronaldo, you could tell, I don't know if he's a little nervous around him or not, but he's not his natural self. And so uh, he hasn't played up to his abilities on the national team. So I, I really think he's going to go with Jota on one side, Bernardo on the other, and we're Ronaldo atop. That's what I think he's... I think everyone else I've mentioned, with the exception of Bern, uh, Bernardo being on the bench, I think every other player I've mentioned, I think it'll be Cancelo on the left. I think it'll be Smith on the right, Gomes, uh, Font, Papa, pa, pa, all that. I think the one difference between my lineup and Fernando Santos' lineup will be Bernardo the win for João Felix.
0: So you, you think you think Gonzalo is going to start over uh, Rafael Guerreiro?
1: Well, then again, I, yeah, I'll, I'll say yeah. I, if I'm Fernando Santos, I would do that. But then
0: it, again, again, now you're at it, it's me, a good
1: problem what to what have. He's going to do. I, I I I would. I don't see why not. Okay. I love I love I love Rafael Guerrero. Right. I think he's a fantastic player, but he's not exactly the best defender.
0: It's like it's having it's like having Grimald back there.
1: Exactly, but thankfully he's not on the national team. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think uh, Cancelo, right now, as we speak, might give him and not that he's an excellent defender himself, I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, but that's what I would do. He's been playing left back at Manchester City with Kyle Walker on the other side, he's gotten the experience. Um, and I just think he comes in a little bit better form. Now, the other thing to to, to think about will Fernando Santos reward? Uh, Rafael Guerrero, obviously, we all know he's born in France, started his career in France going against his, you know some of his former mates that he's played in the youth level with, don't know if if that's going to influence anything because he's going to know these guys a little bit better than I think Cancelo will know, but I I don't think he could go wrong with Cancelo on the left and also Smith on the right because for those of you that know me, you know I've been touting Smith for a very long time and I think he deserves to play, Um, so Again, Cancelo playing on the left of Man City makes this a lot easier for me.
0: We are talking with uh, Cristiano Oliveira of the Benfica podcast here on number uh, episode number thirty-eight of this lesson podcast. Um, you know, at the beginning of the interview, Chris, we we talked about how you know what what a great time it is to be a, a fan of this national team, and it's it's very easy uh, when things are going well. Um, for for everyone to to get along, and and, and I uh, I even brought this up uh, the, the last time you were you were on the show, and we, we talked a little bit of uh, about what was going on with Benfica right after uh, number thirty seven. You know, we we uh, we talked about it's easy it's easy to see why everyone is is doing well under Bruno Lage. We'll see what happens when he gets hit in the mouth the first time, and obviously we know what happened when he got hit in the mouth. But um, it's easy when things are going well but it does seem that this team is super close and this team is very together and that's hard i think especially for a team like portugal who doesn't have a lot of guys playing together on the club level because they're so spread out they're in germany they're in france they're in uh, in england they're in spain uh they're in portugal uh the 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 small number that is but you know what can you attribute you know, what do you think would be the biggest uh, attributing factor in that? And how much do you think Fernand Sanche has a role in playing in that togetherness and that closeness that this team uh, seems to be having?
1: Look, Fernando definitely needs to get some credit here because he's able to to juggle all these personalities and these egos and he's able to align them all and get them all on the same path. But I think, like I mentioned before about Cristiano Ronaldo, I think when your superstar, when your leader right, is a guy that's Fun to be to be around a guy that you know, like I said, treats everyone with respect. I, I think that's the the key factor here um, because it, it make he makes things fun. And guys want to come in and they want to be around one another rather than, you know what, after practice, after uh, training, I mean, training, practice, the same thing. After a massage session, after a game, you go into your room, I'm going to go into my room. No, these guys all want to be around one another. And look, let's not kid ourselves. Portugal is a small country. These guys have all known each other for since they were kids. Uh, a lot of these guys, say, you know, they've all played together through with the youth levels. Um, they all come from pretty much Sporting. We Porto, a Braga here and there, but these guys have all been around one another since they were young. So that, that definitely helps, um, you know, with, with the chemistry. But uh, again, it, it doesn't matter how well these guys know one another. If your leaders aren't making things easy for you, if your leaders are rude, if your leaders are a-holes. They're not gonna make the atmosphere fun, and I think Ronaldo plays a key role, a huge role in that, um, in making everything so, so, so easy to be around all these guys. And so, uh, Fernando Santos, a guy that we've all, uh, I'm pretty sure at some point or another, have criticized his tactics, is boring football. Uh, but look, I'm, I'm not exactly the biggest fan of his, but. I'll, I'll be glad to go to another European and fall asleep. Like I did um, for most of the games in 2016 <laughs> the result at the end of the day is, is a W um, that's all that matters. So he's my coach uh, until proven otherwise um, until he fails, he's going to get another opportunity here with the national team. And then obviously, and I'm putting the, you know, the, the carriage ahead of the horse here, but uh, he's, he's going to be around for a little while. And I think we he's showing that he's been able to adapt a little bit here, as we mentioned before with, with, inserting the youngsters in, in the lineup against Sandori, showing a little bit more fle- flexibility than what we're accustomed to, which again, like you mentioned, it's a sign of good, of good times, right? When things are going good, you're able to do a lot of these changes. When things are bad, that's when, when, when it gets tricky. So um, I think he's doing a good job of managing everybody, but it's about the superstars at the top that make it easy for everyone else to be around.
0: So Chris, obviously we were, we're previewing the, uh, the two final matches here. Um, the semifinals are next October in a uh, destination to be determined later. Uh, following these two matches and with your crystal ball, are we seeing Portugal in the knockout stage in the semifinals of the Nations League following these next two matches? And will they be the winners of uh, Group 3 in League A of the Nations League?
1: I mean, look, as, as we've been talking here on the podcast, right? I don't see why not. These players are all informed. We're playing f- spectacular football. Um, and, and look, until you beat the champ, you got to respect the champ. And I think Portugal's going to show up to play. And so uh, they're going to make things very difficult as well for, for their opposition. But as you said, I, I expect Portugal to be the team standing there um, when it's all said and done.
0: His name is Christian Oliveira. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at 10 CO 10. Also follow uh, his uh, great podcast, the Benfica podcast uh, with uh, hosts uh, Alfred Famasage and Dave Oliveira, uh at Benfica Podcast. Uh, Chris, real quick before we uh, we let you go, uh, I'd be remiss if uh, if I couldn't get a just uh, a thought. The your most your latest thought on uh, what's going on uh, so far uh, with this Benfica season. You can go as short or as long as you want. I uh, just kind you know you're as you said you're very opinionated, and uh, it's I think it's one of the reasons why. A, I like having you on, but B, why your show, the Benfica podcast, works so well. But uh, you know, a a a last thought here on uh, on the current state of things.
1: Okay, how do I say this without get beaten up? Uh, my last thought. Look, it's a long season. It's not how you start; it's how you finish. And uh, I know I I I you know screamed and yelled for for, for many years now that that I wanted JJ back and. Things haven't gone as smoothly as we all expected it to be. But it, it's, you know, it's part of the journey. Um, and when it's gone good, it's been good. You can tell the changes. The team's def- definitely played um, different level, you know, totally different than what we've seen over the last couple of years. The, that beautiful high press, the winning 3-0, I want the fourth. And, you know, it, it's been fun to watch. But when it's been bad, it's 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 been brutal. Um, and that's not why we brought this coaching staff in here. That's not why Benfica spent 100 million euros in transfers the struggle of the way that they have the last couple of games. But the good thing is that it's a long season. Um, and, and I think we have the right, the right coach at the helm. I think he'll straighten this out. Got to give him time. It's not an excuse. Um, a lot of people have been hitting me up privately and, you know, and, and getting on my case for not really coming out and killing them and ripping them. But I have to be brutally honest as I've said on a Befica podcast many times when Pep Guardiola comes in and takes over a team, spends a billion dollars within two hours. When Mourinho comes in and spends 500 million within three hours, even those guys need time. And due to the pandemic, he, he might sound like an excuse, but he's not getting that time. So he needs to get his players on the same page. He is a very demanding coach. He needs to get his ideas and his tactics into the players' brains, right? Where, where, where we've seen the former Benfica teams under his, under his tutelage, right? They they play with their eyes closed, and we're not seeing that here now. We see spurts of games that where the team's fantastic and in others – where the team falters, and so uh, again, the good thing is it's early, um, but it's about how we finish, not how we start. So uh, I'm still confident, man. Still
0: so to confident. be to be clear, you don't think the the league will be wrapped up by December? <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside jo- that's an inside joke, folks.
1: Yes, yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm, I'm upset. I think, like I said to Alfredo the other, day, I think that's the thing that I'm most upset about is that I can't get to Christmas and the clear the season <laughs> over.
0: You're the best, man. Appreciate the time uh, that you've given us here on episode number 38. Again, follow uh, Chris uh, Cristiano Oliveira on Twitter uh, at 10CO10 and the, B- and the Benfica podcast at Benfica podcast. Uh, Chris, you're the best, man. Thanks for uh, coming on. And uh, we look forward to having you on again very, very soon.
1: Anytime, amigo. Man, keep up the great work. You do a fantastic job here for the Portuguese abroad and even just whoever the English speaking Portuguese soccer fans. I think you do a fantastic job. Keep it up. And uh, thanks for having me on once again.
0: And our thanks once again to Cristiano Oliveira of the Benfica Podcast for uh, joining us on episode number 38 of the Sleson Podcast. Follow Chris on Twitter at 10CO10. That's the number 10CO and the number 10. And uh, give, the, give the Benfica Podcast a follow as well on Twitter at Benfica Podcast, all one word. Uh, just a couple of things before we get out of here. Obviously, a huge matchup against France coming up uh, on Saturday. Uh, but I'd be remiss if uh, we did not mention uh, something I forgot to mention in the uh, in the beginning part of the episode uh, that uh, this victory against uh, Andorra uh, is, is the one hundredth national team victory uh, for uh, for CR seven. So um, you know, the number one hundred has has been very synonymous with. Uh, with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, in the last uh, couple of months here, but congratulations to our capitão on his 100th national team victory. Um, you know he's uh, he's got what almost 170 caps and uh, over 100 of those uh, came in uh, in a in winning fashion. So uh, congratulations uh, to him and um, you know and, and Cristiano Oliveira. Um, you know he I asked him what what I thought his uh, his top. Uh, or his uh, starting lineup should be uh, against uh, against France. And uh, and I agree with him on on the majority of it. Obviously, Rui Patricio uh, is uh, is who I think will be starting. Uh, I think it will be Josef Font and uh, and Ruben Diaz in the middle. I do think Joan Concelo is going to start. I don't believe it's going to be at left-back. I do believe he will start at right-back. And I do believe that Rafael Guhaidou, unless something is going on with him, uh, I believe he will uh, he will be back in the left back spot uh, for this match against uh, against France. Uh, I do believe and agree with uh, Christian, Christian Oliveira that uh, that it's uh, it's that it's going to be um, Danilo, uh William Carvalho, and Bruno Fernandes in the uh, in the midfield. And up front, I do believe that uh, Fernandes is going to go uh, with the hot hands. I think he's going to go with uh, with CR7. I think he's going to go with Jota, and I think he's going to go with Joan Felix. Now, uh, that obviously leaves uh, Bernard Silva uh, out of the starting 11, which is something that is not something we've, we've become accustomed to in, uh, in big-time matches. But I just don't see how you can deny um, the form that, uh, that Ronaldo, Felix, and Jota are currently on. Um, and again, this is not. This is more so uh, a a compliment to them, and not any uh, diss uh, to uh, to Bernard Silva. Uh, but he's just right now in a numbers game that, frankly, he cannot win right now solely based on the form of Diogo Jota and and Félix. No one's gonna ever supersede uh, Cristiano Ronaldo in a big game, but. You have these two young players, and not that uh, Bernard Silva is old by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, you have Joan Felix in form at, at Atletico Madrid. They're leading uh, the uh, the league there. You have Liverpool, uh, who are the defending uh, EPL champs, and you have a guy like Diogo Jota who is contributing in a very positive and, and uh, a very positive in offensive manner. I believe it's seven goals in 11 games so far since he's gone to Liverpool. So I think it's going to be CR7, uh, Diogo Jota, and, uh, and Jvon Felix. I do feel that uh, Bernard Silva will be the first guy off the bench if they need to have some sort of um, you know, shake-up to the midfield, shake-up to, uh, to the wings to get the, uh, the offense initiated. Um, I think he'll be uh, Fernand first call there. But I think, I think they're going to try, and I think Fernand Sanchez is going to try, uh, to go with these hot hands and see how they mesh together. Obviously, you'd want to see that maybe in a game that is less uh, significant than uh, a game against France with the Nations League on the line. But uh, I think it's, it would be a, a bold uh, a bold decision. And frankly, I think the correct decision uh, to go with the hot hands of, uh, of CR7 uh, Diogo Jota and Joan Félix. So uh, we shall see everything to play for against France on Saturday the 14th. A win by the Sleson, and it is uh, back-to-back semifinal appearances in the Nations League and uh, what better way to end what has been just the weirdest year of years <laughs> uh, for the Slesson than by getting back uh, to the Nations League semifinals and uh, being one step closer to defending their nation's league title. So uh, that will do it for us right here on episode number 38 of the Sleson podcast. I want to thank Cristiano Oliveira of the Benfica podcast for joining us and giving us his thoughts on these upcoming matches. Again, give him a follow on Twitter at 10 CO 10 and give the, uh, the Benfica podcast a follow at Benfica podcast. Uh, again, to uh, to follow us on all our social medias uh, at Slesson pod on Twitter and on Instagram. Facebook.com slash SlessonPod. Email the show, SlessonPod at gmail.com. And of course, uh, visit our website, SlessonPod.com. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, these are all, uh, or not all, but some of the uh, various uh, podcasting platforms you can uh, you can subscribe and listen to our show on. Uh, again, leave us a little uh, review and, uh, and a five-star rating if you wouldn't mind on the Apple Podcasts. And of course, again, Our first ever sponsor, Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and enter the code SLESSON for 20% off and free shipping to uh, anywhere in the United States, the UK, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia. That will do it for us here on episode number 38, guys. uh, My name is Danny Pinto. I have been your host. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, listening to the SLESSON podcast, a proud partner of Portugal.net. And as always... Força Portugal!